We're excited today to have a, a guest uh, from GCI and also from the nations. Uh, Clem Ferris, he's, the, uh, he's on the apostolic team at uh, GCI and also the prophet over Cornerstone. We have two uh, leaders uh, in Cornerstone that you don't see every week. Now, of course, you know that um, uh, Ephesians 4.11 would tell us that, uh, you know, God's given us gifts, some uh, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Well, we told you when, I, when, when this administration first started that you can't have everything with just the pastoral ministry. So, therefore, uh, we were a part of a network that had the apostolic and had the prophetic coming in. So, uh, Clem is the apostolic leader over Cornerstone, and my mentor, Jared, is the apostolic leader over Cornerstone. So, they, he, they are going to uh, share with us during our 13th anniversary. Now, you say, 13th anniversary, 13, what does that mean? Well, the 13th anniversary is not the 13th anniversary of the church itself, Cornerstone. Uh, Cornerstone actually started back in the mid-70s under another name. And when we changed leaders, by I guess about 87, 1987, we changed the name to Cornerstone. Uh, for this administration, we started the last Sunday of September uh, in 1997, this administration. So this is the 13th year of this administration. And I think it's a great thing that the Lord has done uh, because it's been his work. And we started with, uh, we had two elders at the time. Uh, Lee Grievous, stand up for me, please. And, and Jan, his wife. Let's give Lee a hand and Jan. Okay. Uh, they've been in the church, I guess, since 88. Was it 88 that you came? Cornerstone. Um, and so um, Lee and uh, both of us, we were the first elders at Cornerstone. And then when the baton was passed to me, uh, Lee actually was in retirement. <laughs> so we asked Lee to come out of retirement, and, uh, and it was a great thing. So uh, he, after everything was um, moving along real good, I, I found out that I was holding him hostage in, <laughs> in eldership because <laughs> he wanted to retire. So I had to step out on faith, and God met, met us. Uh, Lee retired. And God bless us with Elder Dadio, you know, at that time. So we have not ordained an elder since Elder Dadio. But how many of you know that we have an ordination service next, uh, this coming Friday night with our, with our elder being ordained? And Chad uh, Roberts will be ordained on Friday night. So. so God is really good. He's really, really good. And, and uh, I was telling Lee that we have an eldership training class and that uh, Chad's been, been trained along with others uh, for three years. Um, and actually, he's been mentored uh, two on two, Minerva and I, with Jen and him at their house uh, nine months. So uh, it's not a, a privileged thing that, that he's ordained. Uh, God has, has put his hand on him, so we are excited about uh, Chad and Jen. Now, um, would you come forward, please? Now, guest speaker, I want you to, uh, some of you who are guests, uh, Clem is very prophetic, 
and um, as time go on, God might show him someone to uh, uh, pray over of what we call prophesy over. So some of you might not be uh, familiar with that, but know that Clem hears from God, not only for the message, but also uh, special things that he might pray over you. And so don't be alarmed if you're a guest, you know, I'll say, you know, because he doesn't know who guests are, who they're not, you know. Uh, but believe me, you want a word from God. You want to be confirmed, you know, if God is doing something in your life, you want to be confirmed on that. And so you be aware and be listening, not only to the message, but also the ears attentive to heaven, your eyes attentive, that you want to know what God is saying and everything that Clem say. So Clem, you got it, brother. Well, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm glad to be in this new building. My first time here, and uh, last time I was here, Willie took me to this dilapidated lot, overgrown with weeds and a shack on it. Said that's where our new church is going to be. So it's been that long. So here you are. Congratulations. It's a lot of work, isn't it? A lot of prayer, a lot of faith, a lot of giving, and uh, it's going to be great. So, well done. Now we got to just fill this up at least three times on a Sunday, right? That'll wear out the pastor. Praise God. It's good to be with you in this special anniversary time. And I think it's good to celebrate your history and give a little update every now and then. It reminds you of where you've come from so you know where you're going. Don't shout me down. This is good stuff now. You're allowed to talk. In, in, okay, in my services, you can talk back, all right? Well, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, you know, and you weren't allowed to, you were barely allowed to breathe, you know. You just sat there. And uh, so that's okay. You can loosen up and so it's going to be a great weekend. Um, we had to stagger it so I could be here this time and Jerry next week. Um, and uh, you'll have a great time with Jerry. I, of course, I've known Jerry a long time, too. He's been a mentor of mine as well. And uh, we've worked together for years. And uh, the ordination service will be very exciting. God said in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul, he told him to go and ordain elders in every church. It's a biblical thing to have elders in the church. And uh, sometimes, you know, you have to, I'm just working with a pastor uh, right now, I was telling Willie, um, they're going through a, quite a crisis in their church because they haven't had proper government, and it, uh, it's taken its toll on the church, and they're have, having to redo everything, and you have to kind of build according to God's pattern, and so you've done that, and you've done that well for 13 years, and so God's going to continue to bless, so spent some time with Jen and Chad and uh, Willie Minerva last night, just talking, sharing, and uh, just kind of affirming what's going to happen next week, so I can't be in two places at once, so... I'm here this week, Jerry's here next week, but you can, you can party all week and celebrate and have a great time. So I just want to give my endorsement to Chad and Jen as uh, they're going to be great elders and uh, wear them out. They're the youngest ones, so you can put a lot of pressure on them, right? John's like, finally some help. Sam, give them lots of work to do. Praise God. Um, I've been in the ministry 28 years. And still don't know what I'm doing, but uh, I'm learning every time, every week, I'm learning. Um, just got back from Sri Lanka. I do travel full-time now. I did pastor for a season. We planted a church in Fort Myers, Florida in 1993, and I pastored that till 2000 when we moved to North Carolina, and I joined GCI. Before that, I was part of another network called LifeLinks, International Fellowship of Churches, and I still work with a lot of the LifeLinks guys in their churches. 
and uh, began to, I turned over my church and began to travel full-time in teaching and ap- uh, some apostolic but mostly prophetic ministry, as Willie said. And uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting ride for 10 years. It's, it's kind of off the uh, regular chart for church ministry. Most guys in ministry are on staff somewhere at a church or they pastor a church. But there is a unique group of traveling guys, and this is what we do. If you look at the book of Acts, everybody was traveling. It started out, the church started out on the move, traveling. God, Jesus ordained 12 apostles. He didn't ordain and call 12 pastors. He could have. He said, I'm going to start the church. I'm going to choose 12 guys to pastor. He didn't do that. He chose 12 apostles because they are sent ones. The word apostello in the Greek literally means to be sent or to send. So the church is a sending organization. We are an apostolic entity, okay? And so our job is not to only gather the saints and keep them inside the building for two hours every Sunday. It's to gather them, equip them, and then send them back out. So every week is a week of sending. And you're sent out to share the gospel and share the good news and let your light shine, all that good stuff. Be prophetic, Sam, right? That's why Sam's training you to hear the voice of God so you can be prophetic in your life with God and then around other people. So this is a great time. You're growing. You're in a good place. You're celebrating. You're healthy. You've got a new building. So go get them. Be apostolic now. Be prophetic. Be evangelistic. Be pastoral. Be all those things that Jesus wants you to be. That's why he gave those five gifts, to equip you to be that. Amen? So today we're going to do a little equipping with teaching the Word of God, but from a prophetic gifting, okay? So uh, if you have uh, Bibles, do you use Bibles in this church? Uh, A lot of churches I go to now, we have screens, so we don't use Bibles anymore. So I cheated. I've got scripture for you on the screen, just in case you didn't have your Bible. Um, in Chapel Hill, where I'm at, I'm based out of Grace Church in Chapel Hill, part of GCI, part of the network. It's a church that Jerry Daly planted in 1987. We're going to pause for this brief moment. Yeah. Oh, the children. See, that, yeah. that wasn't my job, was it? That, that was Good. not your job. It was not your see? job, brother. Okay. And see, the, the, the children, elders. we had, uh, uh, Jen is, is over the children th- today, and she wanted to stay in the congregation to uh, hear uh, the first part. Uh, talking about Chad, and then the children will be dismissed. The children now are dismissed to their class. God loves the children. Wow, we have a lot of them. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) We need more young women and men. You still consider yourself young? Amen. <laughs> okay. Just want to make sure. Okay. All right. See, Chad's eldering already. Jumped up, took responsibility. Good. All right. So, I'm at Grace Church, Chapel Hill. Uh, Jerry Daly planted that church in 1987. And uh, we have a lot of students from University of North Carolina and uh, young people and they just don't bring Bibles because we have PowerPoint now. How many of the next gener- this generation, all those kids going out and anybody under 20 or 25, they're on a different track than we were. <laughs> when I call them, instead of teenagers, I call them screenagers because they do life on a screen. You know, this guy, no offense, John, but, you know, John's up there going, I don't even know how to work this. How do you work this thing? You know? <laughs> so any, any, anybody under 12 could have come up and helped you. You know that. Like, what is the problem? You just push this button. So anyway, so here we go. Life on a screen this morning. (coughs) 
in the power of a breakthrough. I think this, this season you're in, this celebration week, I believe the reason why God has put you in this new building and in this particular place of Lynchburg is because God wants to bring breakthrough, not just, you know, for this area. God wants breakthrough in your own life. God wants breakthrough in the kingdom of God right here in Lynchburg and the places that God's going to send you. And, you know, we all need breakthroughs. And I want to talk about breakthrough from a biblical standpoint because breakthrough is a word sometimes we throw it around. Maybe it's a buzzword. Maybe it's a advertising slogan. Maybe it's something we use just to kind of stimulate a thought and idea. But you know what? Breakthrough is God's idea. And if you look at the book of uh, Micah chapter 2, Micah is one of the... Uh, now, here's a misnomer. We say major and minor prophets. I don't believe that. Now, understand... In the New Testament, you have prophets. They're not like Old Testament prophets. One of the big confusion. Uh, there's a big difference between New Testament and Old Testament prophets. And Sam will talk about that in his class. But um, anyway, uh, sometimes we say, well, he's a major prophet and he's a minor prophet. That's not true. All the prophets were major. They all had something to say and made it in the book. So I call them long prophets and short prophets. <laughs> Isaiah was a long prophet, man. He, was, he had a lot to say. He was just long. But uh, Micah had a lot to say, but he was short. I like the shorter prophets personally, but here's what Micah had to say. Micah is the same prophet who prophesied in chapter 5, out of little Bethlehem, Judah will come a deliverer. What a prophecy. That was short and that was powerful, prophesying about Christ. But he said some other very profound prophetic things. In chapter 2, we see in verse 13, he says, the breaker goes out before them. They break out, or another translation says, they break through. They pass through the gate and they go out by it. So their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. He's talking about us. He's talking about God's people, kingdom people, led by a king. And he says this king is a breaker. That's the name he used. I love that name. The breaker goes out before them. We're in a kingdom. We're led by a king. And our king is a breaker. He breaks through for us. He breaks through for us. So the question is, well, who's the breaker? Who are they talking about? Well, it's our king, obviously, right? It's King Jesus. He is a breaker. His very nature is to go out before us, break through any kind of obstacle, any kind of difficulty, and make a way for us to pass through. We just go through the gate. Isn't that great? We just follow him and go through. It takes the pressure off when someone says, you know, you need a breakthrough. Or when you even tell yourself, you know, I need a breakthrough. I really need a breakthrough. I need a financial breakthrough. I need a breakthrough in a relationship. I need a I just need a breakthrough. And then suddenly you feel like all this pressure. How am I going to do that? How am I going to accomplish a breakthrough in my life? It's very easy when you're a Christian. It's very easy when you know the breaker. When you understand it's his job to go before you and we just pass through. Isn't that great? It makes it easy. But you've got to position yourself for that. And you've got to understand how God sets you up for breakthroughs. It's not something you can just wish upon yourself. You can pray, and I'm going to tease you a little bit because I'm going to we're going to end this with three things that you can pray to position yourself for breakthrough but uh, it's interesting how God sets you up for a breakthrough what is a breakthrough simply it's an act of overcoming or penetrating some kind of an obstacle that's what a breakthrough is that's the I guess the dictionary definition but God sets you up for these things God allows obstacles in your life how many know that's true how many can think of one in the past five years one obstacle in your life. God allows obstacles. God allows things in our life that he wants to come and break through for us. So he sets us up. God is the set-up artist. 
He sets us up all the time. Most of the time we don't know it until after it's over, but he's in the pride. Right now, you're sitting here looking good, behaving, everything's fine. What is that smell? It smells so good. Is it bothering you? It's like, that smells so good. That's not right. You shouldn't do that. I thought the potluck was next week. That's, that should be illegal. Anyway, get my mind back on the, uh, the spirit. Um, God sets you up. Right now, you're sitting here. God is setting you up for something right now in your life. God's preparing something for your life. We're going to look at the life of Abram for just a minute. Not Abraham yet. He's Abram. Genesis chapter 15, just six verses. We're going to see how God set up this guy, Abram, for a breakthrough and some things that went on in his life. And so we're going to look at these first six verses, Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is, I guess, Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Let me just tell you right now, at this point, Abram's having a bad attitude. Abram is not really praying. Abram's not even looking for a breakthrough. Abram is grumbling. He's complaining. He's ready to throw in the towel and give up on the plan of God. Just thought I'd tell you that. In case you missed that, because that's how we are sometimes. So you, that's just to help you identify with Abram, okay? Don't look down on Abram because he's complaining because we've all been there. And you've even called it prayer. But you were just complaining. You were airing, <laughs> venting, you know, frustrated with God, ready to give up. So Abram's got a little attitude going on here. Because God shows up and says, Abram, I'm going to be your reward. I'm your shield. You're the mighty man. And he goes, what? What are you talking about? He goes, what, what are you going to give me? What's the deal? What's this child thing? <laughs> Not going to happen. I guess I'll just pick somebody out of my own house. This Eliezer will have to do since you did not provide. You've all been there. I just wanted to get the attitude kind of upped a little bit there, okay? So God just turns right back around in verse 4 and says, the word of the Lord came to him. He says, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. May I correct you, Mr. Abram, please? And then he brought him outside. And he said, look toward heaven. Number the stars. A little sarcasm here, if you are able. Now God's got a little attitude going, right? <laughs> hey, Abram, come here outside. See all those stars? Do you think you could count them? I don't think so. Um, and then he goes on to finish saying, see all those stars? That's how many kids you're going to have. That's how much your offspring is going to be. Any questions now? <laughs> He said, no, sir. All he did was the most amazing thing in the Bible. Watch. He believed the Lord. And then God counted that one act of faith at that moment. Now, what? You talk about a switch. He was going from, I'm not in faith. I'm not believing you anymore. I'm out of this covenant thing. Forget about it. I guess I'll pick my own son as my heir. That's the moment he's having until God shows up, takes him outside, corrects him. He says, no, your own son, you're going to have your own son. And you see all those stars? That's how many you're going to actually have. And something changed on the inside of Abram. At that moment, he believed the Lord. And God then turns around and counted that one act of belief unto him as a most amazing word. Righteousness. Righteousness. 
Folks, without that, this whole thing is a sham. Without his righteousness, we, what are we doing in this building this morning? Right? What are you doing? Reading your Bible. Why do you pray? Without his righteousness, the whole thing caves in. The whole covenant, the whole book, nothing works <laughs> if we don't have his righteousness. And you don't get it anyway, but by faith. You get it because he gives it to you as a gift. This whole thing is so amazing, what happened in these six verses. But there's a reference point that we often miss sometimes reading scripture. Little phrases come in and we pass them over to get like to this juicy nugget of God counted it unto him as righteousness. And you're going, oh, what a revelation. And then we miss little phrases. I want to take you back to verse one. Three words. Starts out like this. After these things. What things? After these things. What things? You know, the story of Abram doesn't start here. The story of Abram starts in chapter 12. Actually, at the end of chapter 11. And we have chapter 12 and chapter 13 and chapter 14. And there's a lot of things going on in Abram's life prior to this moment. This was a God moment. This was... This was the moment that God had been setting Abram up for, for, as we would call it, for three chapters, but it was many years. He's setting him up. What are some of these things? Well, he was told to uh, leave the land of his father and go into Canaan. He only made it halfway. I would call that partial obedience. That's one of those things. After these things, well, that was going on early in chapter 12. Um, then as he's traveling with his family down to Egypt, he's saying, um, look, Sarah, when we come and the kings, you know, come and, and talk to us, uh, just tell them you're my sister. Wives, how many would go along with that plan? Not, not good idea. I would call that a little bit of a character crisis. That was some of the things Abram was going through quiet because he was afraid he was going to die. He was in, he was in, in fear. So he says, just, just tell them you're my sister because I, I don't want to have trouble. I don't want to die. So he lies about who his wife is. Then he's got conflict with Lot, his nephew, and they end up dividing and, and Lot goes one way, he goes the other way. So a little family pressure, a little family crisis. And uh, then it not only happens once, it happens again. And there's other things going on. He's battling with kings and he's got kind of this repeated uh, opportunities to fail and be in fear. And all this stuff's going on prior to chapter 15. Those are some things, aren't they? And he's got all these things going on in his life. And then God comes in chapter 15 and shows up and says, Now, Abram, after these things, I'm your shield, I'm your real. After these things. I don't know about you, but I am so glad in the mind of God, there's always something in his mind after these things. How many have had things? Come on. You're either, you're, you're either uh, going to confess it or you're in denial. It's one or the other. We've all had things. I've had partial obedience and i've had family conflict usually on sunday morning right before you get to preach it's just interesting how those things i've had repeated failures and i've had character crisis in my life and you have too and we've all had these things and we kind of end up dwelling on them and sometimes we get so consumed with our things we forget god's promises we forget where god's going to take us and i've got good news for you god is always looking ahead <laughs> with a different attitude than you have isn't that good? God was looking ahead at his plan for the ages. God was looking ahead at his eternal covenant in Christ. God was looking ahead when Abraham was having a breakdown. Abraham's not breaking through at this moment. He's breaking down. <laughs> Abram's about to throw in the towel. Abram's having a bad attitude. Abraham's grumbling to God and saying, forget it. I got good news about God, though. The thing about God is, 
God does not focus on our failures like we do. Isn't that good? We get, a, we get we, something goes wrong, there's something we fail at, and it begins to consume us, and we focus on it, and we dwell on it, and we hash it over. God doesn't do that. God is not consumed with our past like we are. Some of us just continually living in the past. We get consumed with things that went on in our past, can never shake free from it. That's what breakthroughs do. They break you out of your past. They break you out of your failures. A third thing about God that is so cool, God just doesn't give up on us like we do. God doesn't give up on us. God wasn't saying, you know, Abram, you're right. You're such a loser, Abram. I don't even know what, what was I thinking picking you anyway? I'm going to pick somebody else. He, he didn't do that. He didn't agree with him. He corrected him. He said, I guess I'll just pick my own heir and I got, I'll just do my own plan. He goes, no, correction. No, your own son will be your heir and I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to give you faith so that you can do it. Isn't that great about God? God gives you the faith to get saved. Isn't that so cool? I mean, think about the whole plan. It's foolproof. God cheats. That's my new, that's my new revelation for this whole year. Isn't that profound? Took me a doctorate in theology to get that. But it's true. God cheats, Willie. God cheats for us. Did you know that? Students? Sometimes God will whisper you the answer when you don't know the answer. I still recommend studying. But in life, <laughs> when you don't know what to do, I'll give you an example. You're all looking at me like, is that allowed? Is he allowed to say that about God? He cheats in a good way. How many remember in school when, I mean, you talk about fear. You walk in and the teacher says, okay, clear off your desks, take out a clean sheet of paper and write your name at the top. What are you thinking right away? <gasps> Pop quiz, oh no, and I didn't study. And all of a sudden you break out into a sweat, your butterflies in your stomach and you want to be dismissed and you're going, oh no. So one day Jesus gave a pop quiz to the disciples. He said, disciples, come here, gather up. Okay, pop quiz time. Who do men say that I am? Come on, who do they say? Oh, uh, Peter, did you study? I, I didn't know. Uh, Jeremiah? Uh, Elijah? I, we don't know. Didn't study. He goes, okay, I'll make it easier. Who do you say that I am? And again, they're bumbling, going, ah, mm, ah. And Peter goes, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes, dad. You told him the answer. <laughs> Dad, I wanted Peter to... How many with me? But he said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You didn't get that answer on your own. My father revealed that to you. So God cheats. Even when you get a pop quiz, you don't know the answer, God can whisper the answer out of heaven. So when it comes to your life and salvation and eternity, God cheats. He sets you up. He calls you from the foundations of the earth. I mean... Ephesians 1 just gives you all the cheat sheets that God goes by. And so when you see things like this unfold in our life, you got to keep remembering God knows his system <laughs> that he puts you in to get you through, to break you through, to get through obstacles. And Abram's here about to have a personal breakthrough, even though it would look like he was having a breakdown. God can bring a breakthrough when it looks like everything's breaking down. It's a good thing about God. Look, believers, believers need breakthroughs. Churches need breakthroughs. You need them. So God sets you up for them, whether you like it or not, whether you plan for it or not. You need breakthroughs. You long for them. Why? Because God can do more in a few seconds than you can do in years. 
God can just do it. It's so amazing to see God do things that you fretted over, worried about, and agonized over, and fought over for years. And then God can come in and go, boom, and bring a breakthrough. Just to show you that he's God. And this pivotal moment, Genesis 15, verse 6, this was the pivotal breakthrough moment. At that moment when he believed the Lord, that was a breakthrough. It was an internal switch that God threw for Abram. God came, spoke into his life. That's why the word of the Lord is so powerful. It's so important. That's why we must preach the word of God. You have to hear the word of God. And God works with that agency to create faith in you. And that's how righteousness comes. And this was so pivotal. See, this one verse jumps into the new covenant. Three times at least it's mentioned by, it's mentioned by Paul in Romans. He quotes, he says, what should we say about Abram then? Ah, he believed the Lord and God counted it unto him as righteousness. He says it again in Galatians. Abram believed the Lord and he counted him righteousness. James said it in the book of James. That's how profound this one act of faith was. This breakthrough was so profound in one man's life that it carries you and I in the new covenant. Powerful. Not kid stuff. It's big stuff. But you know, breakthroughs are important because, number one, you need a breakthrough to go to the next level God has for you. We go from faith to faith, don't we? We go from one experience of faith to the next experience of faith, and you only get there through internal breakthroughs that God gives. You know, once you achieve a certain level of faith and you believe God for certain things, you know what? It's not faith anymore. Because you don't have to do anything. It's like, I got it now. So then God moves you to an, he stretches you. <laughs> he increases you. And you go to another level of faith. And so you need breakthroughs to go to the next level that God has for you. You need breakthroughs because they are personal. It's not something you can get on the internet. It's not something you can even sit and have a message preached about. I can, I'm going to preach today about breakthroughs, but I can't, I can't do the breakthrough for you. Willie can't do it for you. Others can't do it for you. Personal time with God, personal encounters with God is what creates breakthrough. That's why it's very easy to hear preaching and hear someone's testimony and get discouraged. How many have ever heard a good message, right? Maybe you've read, maybe you've read your Bible, and you're discouraged because you go, it's not working for me. I don't get it. How come they get it? I don't get it. How come he's blessed? I'm not. You know what I'm talking about? It's because God wants to make a breakthrough personal. It's something personal between you and God. You need breakthroughs because they're revealing. They reveal something that you would never see on your own. You can't see it on your own. You're helpless. You know, you never saw Christ on your own. Why? You're born blind. We're all born blind. The old amazing grace, I once was blind, but now I see. How did you get that sight anyway? Well, one day I made a great decision. No, you didn't. One day I, anytime you start with I, it's a problem. Well, one day I, dec I decided to accept Christ into my life. No, you didn't. I found Jesus. No, you didn't. You weren't looking for him. The Bible says he chose you, right? You didn't choose him. Come on, let's get real about our salvation. No, it's a work of God. And so we just remove ourselves out of it and realize breakthroughs are a work of God. They're personal. You need them. They reveal something about God that you never had before. And they're reassuring. They reassure you that God's still on the job. <laughs> they reassure you that this thing's going to work. They reassure you that all this toil and battles and warfare and the stuff we have to do on this earth in mortal life, it's worth it. They reassure you. At that point, 
Abram needed a little reassurance that God was still going to come through. So, that's why we need breakthroughs. But you know the most amazing thing about breakthroughs? You know what the main thing that a breakthrough does? It doesn't change your circumstances. It changes you. Because see, most of the time, we want our circumstances to change. We want things to change. So we think about our things all the time. And God goes, ah, after these things, let's get past the things. Let's get down to the root of the thing. What about you? What's going to change in you? See, he got down to the root issue in Abram's life. You know what it was? Fear and unbelief, exactly. He wasn't believing God anymore. He gave up. He didn't have the faith he needed. So it's interesting, God comes, and the first thing he says is what? Abram, fear not. He addressed the root issue. He came in and just confronted Abram's biggest obstacle, fear, which is the opposite of faith, because fear and faith are very similar, right? Because faith is believing what you can't see, but so is fear. Fear is believing in something you can't see, but you think it's there, so you fear it. So he shows up and he says, Abram, fear not. And then he says, I am your shield. Isn't it interesting in Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. What is the shield? It's a shield of faith. So God shows up and says, may I remind you, (laughs) I've come to change you, Abram. I didn't come to change your circumstances. Abram jumps right into a conversation or a complaining session with God. And starts talking about what? His circumstances. Well, I, you know, what am I going to do? You haven't come through with the sun thing, so I'm going to pick my own son. He goes, you know, it's not about the sun. Because Abram, it's about you. I'm here to change you. That's the thing that a breakthrough does. And that's where you got to start saying, okay, <laughs> I guess that's what i got to let God do in me. Because bat- we all have battles. Everybody has battles, but the biggest battles you face are not those battles all around you. It's the battles right within you, isn't it? That's the biggest battles we all face. And so God comes to change that. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what Jesus Christ can do for a human being. He can change you. That's the best part. I mean, the gospel's got two components that are key. The first one is you can be saved, right? Praise God. But the second thing is you can change. That's probably the best news. Because <laughs> a lot of people get saved and they never change. And boy, that's, that's difficult. Or we think we can't change. And then we, wanna, we get like Abram and give up on the promises of God. So... What can, you, what can you do? How can you get set up for this thing? What kind of things does God want you to position internally so that you can achieve breakthrough? You can experience this breakthrough that God wants to bring whenever, however. I can't, I can't even prophesy that for somebody. I can just say, I know God wants to do it. God put you in this building so you can have breakthroughs. You know, the building, this building itself is not a breakthrough. You can't say, oh, finally, we're in the building. Oh, Oh, I can just rest and stop praying and slow down a little and now I can start saving some money for me and oh, finally. It's not why you're here. God's setting you up right now. God brought you here to set you up so you can have breakthroughs in your personal life which will affect the people you work with, that you go to school with, that you go shopping with, relatives, people you hang out with in Lynchburg and other uttermost parts of the earth. God's setting you up. So what do you do? Well, the first thing, you can, you can pray. You have to pray. Now, this is where prayer comes in. This is where, and you know what? If you don't know how to pray, start grumbling. Just complain a little. That's what Abram did. He wasn't praying, but that's where it started. It started out <laughs> with a little dialogue with God. 
And so the first thing you do, you got to pray. You got to pray for a breakthrough first in courage. The first place you, everybody has to start is facing your own fears and say, God, I need a breakthrough in courage. I need some courage from you. I need to face my fears. I need to, I need to come to grips with this thing because that's what a breakthrough in courage will do for you. It will help you avoid fear because fear is the thing that will stop the kingdom. It will stop progress. It will stop change in your life. It stops everything. That's why God came and met Abram because Abram was about to stop the progress of God's plan for the, for the ages. And he said, Abram, stop fearing. I've come to give you a breakthrough in courage. So he says, here, I'm your shield. I'll be your shield of faith. I'll be your great reward. It's coming, buddy. It's coming. Hang in there, right? Joshua was a great example of one that God had to come also and visit him and reassure him. You can do this. Only be what? Strong and courageous. He said that over and over in Joshua chapter 1. As they're getting ready to do this amazingly difficult assignment from God to cross a raging river and then take an amazingly fortified city called Jericho. And God shows up to Joshua and says, Joshua, you can do this. Listen, only be strong and very courageous. You've got to be courageous. Courage is something God gives. So you can have breakthroughs. A second thing you can pray for, you can pray through commitments that God stirs you in that will bring breakthroughs. So you say, God, then I need a breakthrough in commitment. I need to revisit, first of all, <laughs> God's commitments to me. That's a good place to start. And then I need to revisit my commitments back to God. What am I really committed to? Am I going to stay committed to the call? Am I going to stay committed to my walk? Am I going to stay committed to relationship? And on and on it goes. See, commitment starts with God. It doesn't start with you. That's good news, too, about the gospel. God commits to you before you even were born. Ephesians 1. I want to preach that so bad. I'm just biting my tongue. It's so juicy. Ephesians 1. When you look and say, when were you actually in Christ? When he died on the cross? You were in Christ before the foundations of the world. Does that blow your mind? It ought to because no human should actually really be able to comprehend that. I don't care what, how many degrees you have. You actually should read Ephesians 1 and sit there and go on, this blows my mind. How can that be? How could God choose me before the foundations of the earth? I don't get it, but he did it. It's mind-blowing. He commits to you. Commitment always starts with God. God commits to you. Wonderful word from the Greek language, the commitment, paratithemi. Paratithemi, the word tithemi means to deposit alongside. God comes and he deposits eternal life alongside you. <laughs> He makes a deposit into you before you ever give anything back to him. He commits to you. I mean, he commits all the way. He deposits his life in you. So when it comes to commitment and a breakthrough in commitment, you have to say, God, okay, all right, I'm committed to you. Now, here's the trick. Here's the catch. Are you going to stay committed to the process? That's the catch, isn't it? It's one thing to say, I'm committed to God. Are you? What about when the pressure comes on? <laughs> what about, you know, tithing? What about praying? What about, what about, what about, what about all the disciplines that were exhorted? And that's where the pressure comes on. That's when it's inconvenient. That's when it's selfish time. You know, all these things start rising up in us. And we need breakthroughs then in commitment. We need to stay committed because God's committed to us. You think of David. David is an amazing guy when you look at 
if you take commitment alone and look at the life of David, just in a, a scan of his life, and you think, my gosh, he, he went through some stuff, and I'm sure David wanted to throw in the towel lots of times. He had every reason. I mean, he went through the Saul school of discipleship. And, you know, cave dwelling was a big part of that. And, you know, king chasing was another part, you know, future king chasing, okay? For 12 years, David ran and hid for his life. And Saul's throwing spears at him and trying to kill him. And he's, I would have given up and said, forget this king thing. Forget that thing. But no, David would reach down and he would look back and find commitment from God. Because commitment answers that question. It answers the question that you have. It answers the question that all of us struggle with every now and then. It's, it says, what, why should I keep going? Why should I keep doing this? Why, 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 why? Because God's committed to you. That's why. And so, you know what? When everything else is caving in, you pray, God, give me a breakthrough in commitment. Help me keep committed to this thing. David did. Ernal, or internal commitment is that thing that you draw on from God when everything else is telling you to quit. That's what you got to draw on. And you know what? The world doesn't have that. They have it in the soul. They have soul power to do it, but eventually that thing will kill them. <laughs> they push that button too many times and too hard, but we have it from the Spirit. God gives it freely. So you pray for these things. You pray for a breakthrough in courage. You pray for breakthroughs in commitment in your own life. And then you pray for, amazingly, a breakthrough in heart. A breakthrough in heart, which is huge, which is internal, which is invisible. You can't see it. But it answers an important question that we all face time and time again. A breakthrough in heart will answer the question, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why? And I don't care what the category is, whether it's, why are we, honey, why did we decide to have more children? Um, honey, why, <laughs> whatever you're, you know, why am I, why am I, going back to school at this age in my life or why did I take on that job or why, 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 why? Don't know. Don't know what your question is but every now and then you stop and say, why am I doing this? And what you're really searching for goes beyond courage and goes beyond commitment. You're looking for motive. And that's what God is so excited about. God judges the motives of our heart. Because there's always something in your heart that keeps you going. It's not soul power. It's not education. It's not, oh, you might think it's greed sometimes and, you know, and wrong, selfish gain. All those things are motivators, aren't they? That, that's all the world has to go on, right? Pride, self-esteem, all these other things. But you know what? God works on another issue. What keeps the Christian going position of the heart that's why i said keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are all the issues of life proverbs 4 and you think of someone like solomon who had the dream opportunity with god when god said hey Saul, ask of me whatever you will i'll give it to you Wouldn't you what would you do what would you do if you're like me i'd have had a list going i said just a minute i got a google <laughs> i got some things god uh he didn't he said hmm tell you what lord I want a discerning heart to know how to rightly judge this people. That's what I want. I want to, I want to, and God said, that's what I'm looking for. Solomon, that's what I'm looking for. And God just turns around, gives him wisdom, a discerning heart, and all the stuff. Isn't that cool? See, God cheats. 
he cheated for Solomon. <laughs> he gave him all the stuff anyway. Because Solomon, when he had the ear of God, he realized, hmm, I could ask for a lot of stuff right now. <laughs> but he didn't. He was more interested in what would help him be better toward others than would make him more comfortable himself. That's always a challenge for us, isn't it? To actually go to God in prayer and say, God, can you make me better for the benefit of other people? <laughs> Not always going to God and saying, God, I need, I need, I need, I need, I want, I need, I want you to do this for me, I need you to do this for me. I, 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 I. <laughs> it's very easy to get selfish and self-centered in our prayer life. And God's looking at the motives of our heart. It's busted because God sees it. So you, so you pray and say, God, then I need a breakthrough in heart. I'm going to be honest with you, Lord, like he doesn't know. Say, Lord, I just need a breakthrough in heart. Why? I, God, I, help me avoid impure motives. You know, you can do a lot of Christian things with wrong motives. It's true. You're looking at an expert. I can do it just like you. We can even give with a wrong motive. Stick that tithing in week goes past that plate i get so sick of that so you don't know see we don't know we're just sitting there smiling putting our tithe in and inside we're grumbling inside we're grumbling our motives are wrong impure motives so you got to pray god i need a breakthrough god i i know i'm supposed to give but boy my attitude stinks <laughs> help me god help me straighten out help me realign here help me because here's the good news everybody there is an ordained outcome that's ephesians 1 also Ephesians 1, one of these days, that's driving me crazy. Uh, there is an ordained outcome by God. There's, look, at, you know what the battle is? The battle is agreeing with God's ordained outcome. You're not battling for the outcome, it's already settled in heaven. That's why he taught us to pray what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, what? As it's already settled in heaven. There's no issue with the will of God in heaven. It's already settled. There's no issues with what's the plan, God. The angels don't wake up in the morning and go, God, what's the plan today? He goes, same plan. So nothing's changing except humans. I'm going to keep changing humans. I'm going to keep creating them and keep changing them and creating them and changing them. And then I'm going to end the whole thing. I already got the plan. So what's the battle? Agreeing with God's plan. That's our battle, isn't it? So we all need internal breakthroughs. So I'm going to pray for that for you. And you can pray for it. Here's, here's the good news. Remember, what? It's always after these things. I don't know what's happened in the... I can tell you without even knowing, without even cheating and asking Willie. It's spiritual warfare when you build a new building, isn't it, Willie? It is one of the most difficult things. I've worked with a lot of pastors, and most of them burn out and want to quit the ministry after they build a building. It's like, this is... My dream is to have... And then they get the building. It's like, I can't do this anymore. Because there's so much warfare. It's, it's a lot of energy and, and you're taking territory. And you're, you're, you know, you're taking the land. And that's, that's all part of, part of the spiritual battle. That's all part of God's ordained plan. So you're in a great place right now. Not to rest on this wonderful place, but to say, God, now position us for breakthrough. Help us break through any future obstacles so that we can see your kingdom come. Because that's all about his kingdom, isn't it? It's all about advancing the kingdom. Why are you here in this place? Why are you gathered here today? To advance the kingdom. Not just to feel better. Well, I just came to church to get a little lift, a little emotional lift, get me through the week. <laughs> no, you're here to advance the kingdom. And you get that through the sharing and declaring of the word of God. So let's pray. Why don't you stand with me?
And I want to just pray for you, with you. But I don't want it to stop today. I hope this is just kind of a prayer seed that you can begin to pray personally. God, I need a breakthrough and courage. I've, I've been praying this for several months now. I've just been, I'm, I'm realizing, hey, if you all left the room today 30 minutes ago, I'd have stayed and preached this anyway because I needed it. Because I am seeking God for breakthroughs in courage in my own life. I'm seeking God for breakthroughs in commitment. And I'm constantly seeking him for breakthroughs in my heart, knowing how wicked I am, right? Come on. The heart is what? Desperately wicked, Jeremiah said. And we all got issues. So isn't it great we're all in this together? Smile. It's going to get better, all right? Smile. After these things, all right? Lord, after these things, we come to you. We come and concerning all the things of our past, Lord, we're not focusing on that. Lord, you're the God of breakthrough. You're the God of healing. You're the God of righteousness. God, you have imparted your righteousness unto us just as you did to Abram. We thank you for that. And we stand today not having our own righteousness. Thank God we stand in the righteousness of Christ that you provide. Everybody stop for one minute. Just dwell on that. You are standing here today not having your own righteousness. And that is a relief. You are standing in the righteousness If you want to say wow, go ahead, because you should. Wow. This is a wow moment. Wow. Standing in the righteousness of Christ. There's nothing better. So, Lord, you are, you are our breaker. We didn't come up with that great thought, Lord. <laughs> Your prophet Micah declared it. You are the breaker. You go before us. You go before us. And we break through. And we pass through the gates. With the Lord at our head. Our King goes on before us. Oh, King. King Jesus, go on before us today and tomorrow and Thursday and next week. Go on before us, oh, King, so that we can break through. So that every obstacle we face, we can look at it with a new set of eyes today. We can look at it differently. We can look at it not as Abraham with no faith and in fear. We can look at it and say, you know what? God, I need a breakthrough in courage right now because I fear what I'm looking at. Father, give me a breakthrough in commitment. It's about, I'm about ready to quit. God, give me a breakthrough in my heart because my motives are wrestling inside of me. Oh, God, I ask you for these things. I ask for everybody here. I ask for myself. Lord, we ask you corporately today that this would be a time of breaking through for Cornerstone Church in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You can be seated for, just going to keep you a few more minutes. I want to pray for a few people just to, just to encourage uh, a few hearts and to share the, the gift of God. And so we had a great night last night. Are we allowed to tell? Did we have a secret meeting? It wasn't. Okay. We had a secret meeting. No. We did have a, a little meeting last night. We props it over a number of children. It was great. And uh, it's amazing to see God speak um, over his beloved. That's all y'all. Pretty good for a northerner to say all y'all. Took me 10 years, but I got it down. Okay, praise God. Now, here's the problem. Y'all look great. Y'all, if we could just stop time, we could just prophesy all day. But Sam's got a class, and he's training, so go see Sam. We're going to pick a few. Where's uh, your daughter Brandy? Brandy in here? She's here, hiding in the back. And your, your beloved husband. Did I prophesy over you in that... Seventh-day Adventist Church? Was that the last time I was here? 
you were meeting at the Seventh-day Adventist. It was like 100 years ago. Come out here. And Sean, come on up here. I'll just pray over you guys real quick. She's smiling. He's not sure. <laughs> Don't know. How you guys doing, all right? Good. Okay, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this couple. Lord, I just thank you for the season that you're about to launch them into. It's a season of change. There's going to be... Um, some uh, new levels that God's going to take you to, and uh, that's a good thing because God's going to grow you up even faster. There's a, there's a maturing that's happening. It's like you've been, a lot's been going on under the surface like a plant, but God says you've busted through, and God says more exposure. And uh, Sean, you need to get ready for more public exposure. God is going to expose you to the body of Christ in a larger way, so he says, you got to get ready. You're going to have to prepare. You're going to have to seek me. You're going to have to allow me to uh, stretch you and grow you and, and put some things in you that you don't even think you need. <laughs> no, I don't need that. Oh, yes, you do, says the Lord. You need that. I don't need to prepare. I don't, you know, I'm not really a public speaker. Oh, you're going to be. You're going to be speaking in public, and you're going to be sharing thoughts from God, and you're going to be sharing uh, truth, and you're going to be compelling people. There's a persuasiveness that's bottled up in you, and it's all hidden. It's all under the surface, but God says, I'm breaking a persuasive way deep in your heart so that you can persuade men that Christ is the answer. There's a persuasiveness. That's the word that's just ringing uh, out of the mouth of God over you. He says, I'm going to have called you to be a persuader of men, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to cause changes. It's going to cause men to have to deal with issues and it's going to cause men to come to grips with eternity and things like that and you're going to be persuasive with your words so get ready god's going to launch the two of you into some other things where you're going to be doing some exploring the word i get is exploring you're going to be doing some exploring of other churches what do they do you're going to be you're probably one of those screen age people too brady you get on the web and you do a little surfing and you kind of do a little sneaky peeking mm, what do they do hmm, how's their website look hmm, oh, hmm. And I see you kind of exploring. It doesn't mean you have to go far, but you're going to be exploring with the beautiful technology we have. You can explore right from your desk. But you're going to be sniffing out ideas and thoughts and methods and systems are going to be shifted and changed right in this church because you guys are going to help initiate change. And you're going to stimulate ideas and thoughts that are going to just going to make the, the gospel even more persuasive, you see, and more beautiful and christ is going to be lifted up and and people are going to want to be in this place praise god there's some new uh, friendships coming for the two of you i just see god connecting even more people around you i don't know if you do this yet but i just see the times coming you're going to have meetings in your own home with other young couples and you're going to be connecting and hanging out and fellowshipping but you're going to be growing together you're going to be envisioned together there's going to be just a uh, there's going to be like a hmm Another level in this church that's going to begin to shake a little and grow. There's going to be movement in the middle. And it's, I, I see it kind of in the 20 to 30-year-olds. There's going to be a kind of a growth spurt at Cornerstone somewhere in the 20 to 30-year-old range of people. And so you need to get ready because you're right in the middle of it, okay? You're going to help foster that growth. You're going to be kind of a catalyst for it. And God said that's going to be part of my intention of even putting this church in this locale is to cause there to be a swelling and a reaching out to young families and to 20 and 30 year olds they're going to be a whole new layer added to the church so lord we thank you we bless this couple that they would be starters and catalysts for you that lord you would stretch them and use them and use their their creativity 
at this time, that, Lord, they wouldn't get sidetracked and wouldn't get uh, just, Lord, that their, their talents and gifts would stay on the front burner of the kingdom of God, and that, Lord, you use them mightily and bless them also. I want to say one other thing over you, Sean. I just see some kind of a, kind of a promotion coming for you that's going to also cause some financial increase to come. You guys, it's like you're saving for something. You've got a dream. There's something you want to uh, get, and it's like you've kind of got this really up front with God in prayer, but you're just saying, God, we just can't afford that. So it's almost like, it's, it's almost like an Abraham, like, well, you know, it's not going to happen because we just can't afford it. And God's just saying, not, not so. I can afford it. I, I, that means something significant to you, but you need to know that God says, I'm going to make it happen. Part of it's going to come through promotion, and there's going to be a financial increase that's going to help you get this dream because it's part of what God's going to do to use you to affect lives. I think it's a house. I really think it's a house that you're believing for of your own, and I think that's something you just said, not now. It's just going to be too many years from now. God says, no, it's going to be quicker than you think. Trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God's good though, that way. And that's not just for them. You can't sit out there and go, well, I want a house. God knows what you need, okay? And God knows what you want, all right? And everybody's in a different season. But what, what you can do is grab hold of that same promise from God, just like Abram, right? And believe the Lord. Whatever you're needing, whatever you're believing for, God will supply your needs, amen? Not always your wants, but your needs anyway. Amen? It's good preaching, isn't it? I, I got three heads starting to go, you know, when over, I was just in Sri Lanka, when you talk to a lot of Indian people from India and Sri Lanka and that, when you look at them, you know, in, in America, when we're agreeing with someone, we're going like this. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea, right? Like this. You know what they do? They go like this. Yeah. So you're sitting there going, so, you know, you're talking, and they're sitting there, and they start going like this, and you're going, is something wrong with his head? But that, I found out <laughs> that's what they do. They, you know, really? Well, that's a very good idea. All right. Let's uh, praise God. This is, this is torture on me. I just want you to know, because there's so many. Uh, wow. Did I prophesy over you last night? Any of you guys? I didn't, did I? You girls right here. So I want, let's see. Oh, yeah, all three of you come up. Come on up here. I prophesied all these young people. I can't remember who I prophesied on who I didn't. Are you, are you all sitting together? Are you family? Just, just here? Are you? My goodness. Face me so you don't get embarrassed. All right, just real quick, give me your name so they're going to record this. What's your name? Lillian. Lillian. Yeah. Father, thank you for Lillian. I just uh, bless her. Father, I just thank you for, uh, there's a sharpness in you with words. There's a sharp thinker that God has put, uh, an idea in your head and an ability to absorb and process and think through things and argue um, in a good way. You know, we talk about lawyers arguing a case. You are like that in your mind. You know how to come at something with a solid argument. And God's going to use you to argue things well. And to, you know, just, I mean, and a lot of it's going to be kingdom driven. It's going to be a cause of righteousness. Uh, you're going to have a sense of injustice that comes over people sometimes and things. And God's going to use you as a woman of influence. And you need to understand, are you in, in school right now? Yeah. yeah, you know, your schooling process is, is far from over. And there's going to be some more education that's going to even take your thinking skills to a whole other level so you can be persuasive and you can argue things. Uh, and you're going, to, you're going to go against what we call the world system. And you just need to be prepared for that. Say, God, this is what you call me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to confront Babylonian thinking and world systems that actually twist the way people live their lives. 
and you're going to help people walk the straight way. Amen? What's your name? Jillian. All right. What's your name again? Lillian, Lillian and Jillian. Don't tell me yours yet. I'll, I won't be able to prophesy. Okay, Jillian. That's a great name. Father, thank you for Jillian. Are you, are you a musician? No. You're not. There's music in you. I don't know what kind. That doesn't mean you have to play an instrument. You can be a musician and never play an instrument. Uh, you can sing. You can appreciate music. There can be musical quality in you. I just see something with sound and music and, and the ability to appreciate. And, there, there's a, and you don't like junk music. You, there's something classical about you. There's something definitive and refined about your appetite for the arts and things like that. And I just feel like God's going to just use that continually. Uh, and it's going to come in the way that you see things, the way you beautify things, the way you decorate. Uh, there's it, that kind of art. I'm not talking about, you know, paint and a canvas. I'm talking about artistic eyes that God has given you to see things and beautify things. You can walk into a room and rearrange all the furniture while you're sitting there. In your mind, you've repainted the room and rearranged it. And, you know, you just walk out, well, that's, that's a lot better just from my point of view anyway. And you've got an opinion too. Uh, in fact, you probably can practice arguing with each other. That's good. That's good training. Um, but I just want to just bless that mind that God's given you and that artistic eye that God's going to use it uh, to beautify things and people and situations. And uh, where, where you go and where God sends you, you've got to understand it'll be a mission of God's sending to improve the situation and to improve lives wherever you go. Okay, tell me your name. Gillian. <laughs> I, I knew it. No, there aren't any more daughters, are there? We're going to run out of vowels. Huh? Your brother. Don't tell me his name. Billion? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think that is so cool. I have never. How many? I've never heard. That is so cool. How old are you? 15. Only 15. Going on 30. All right. 15 going on 30. Father, we thank you for Gillian. I just, I just see uh, you love people. You are such a people person. There is, um, I'm going to say this carefully, but it's the best word because it's a biblical word, but there's, I'm going to say that there's a shepherding quality in your heart for people. You care about people. You reach out to people. You go the extra mile. You do a little bit of what I was talking about with Solomon where you're more concerned about what will make others happier, better. Sometimes you, you, you put other people ahead of your own desires, and God's working that in your heart because there's something very humanitarian about what motivates you. You really love the human race. You love people. You care. Because of that, there's something in you that God's going to get out and God's going to send you out. And there's a sending that's going to come upon your life at a later time, almost like a missionary. I'm not going to just declare missionary, but it's like a missionary. You've got a heart to go. You've got a heart to be with other people. And you've got a heart to see the world. You've got a travel bug inside of you that's just not going to stop you know, itching until you scratch it. And you're going to have to take some trips and go some places. And you're going to do some mission work. And it's all because of the people. The stuff is going to be nice, and the sights will be fond and wonderful, but what's going to motivate you is people. And I don't know if you are studying another language, but I just sense you're going to have the ability to speak another language and speak it well, fluently, because that's going to be one of the keys that's going to open the door for you to be able to go somewhere and just converse with the people. So language, heart for people, God's going to open doors. Father, we thank you for these young ladies. Lord, your daughters, we just thank you for the gifts that you've put in them. And thank you for just kind of revealing some of that today of your goodness towards them in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you. Okay. God likes this side of the room too, okay? Uh, let's see. What's your, what's your name? Yeah. Come, Marilyn, can you come up? 
I thought it was going to be Killian, and I was going to freak out. Say, no. That, that is so cool. I'm going to write that down, their names. Isn't that so cool? You play volleyball, basketball? You're tall. My wife is tall. Lily's knows my wife. She's a good basketball player. So I'm going to have to get up on the stage. You are tall, Marilyn. So, Lord, we bless Marilyn today. Is it okay if I pray over you? Can you ask? Yeah, amen. Um, wow. It's like right now you're in a place that is like brand new. God just took some wrappers off stuff that you didn't even realize you had available. You are getting a new view on life. You're getting a whole new picture of, of, of some things about your future that you had pondered but hadn't really realized was available. And I just, I think God just wants to encourage you, Marilyn, you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. I'm not sure that that was an issue to you, but you know, sometimes it's good to hear that from a total stranger that God says you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Here's the deal. God says, your eye yet has not seen, your ear has yet not heard, nor has completely entered your heart the things that he has prepared for you. God has some relationships that are coming into your life that are going to kind of interrupt some of the things you thought you were supposed to do and take you kind of hmm, in another direction. But it's all, you're going to end up right where God wants you. And so I'm going to say these, these words. There's some divine detours coming up in your life. And you're not to stress about them. You're going to pray it through. You're going to speak to, you know, parents and those in authority. You're going to get good counsel, but God's just going to slowly bend you around a corner that you didn't see coming for his glory. And it's going to take you into some new relationships. It's going, I'll tell you what, there's another thing. I want to say this carefully, and again, you counsel through this, but I, I sense what you're set out to do as far as a career of study is not what you're going to end up doing. And it's like God just has this amazing plan for you that you just need to relax and enjoy the process. Like we said, they stay committed to the process, but realize God's got something even better than you've planned. And so you need to just say, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'll tell you the other thing. There's leadership in you and a measure of natural evangelism. And I just see you beginning to, to lead a little group, uh, hanging out, just more, hey, let's hang out, let's start talking about God. And you just talk about God and things. And then suddenly you pull the Bibles out. And then suddenly you're studying and you're preparing. And I just see you slowly developing a kind of an organic group of believers around you. And that's going to suddenly spark into evangelism. And so I want to encourage you. That's part of what God's made you to be as a leader. Uh, and and something that's, that's evangelistic in what you do with others. Uh, there's a great concern you have for people, and uh, you're going to be a problem solver. You're going to help solve people's problems. So get ready for a growth spurt. Like I said, this, there's a, this newness that's come upon you, and God says, you better put your seatbelt on because it's, it's better than you envisioned. It's more than you can conceive. But God says, I am with you. I want to tell you something else. There's a hunger in your heart. Um, there's just another level of, of, of your spiritual walk that you're not satisfied with, and you want to go to another level. And I just want to say it this way. I think there's just an, there's an impartation of the Holy Spirit come to you that you're hungry for. Um, I'm going to be careful with terminology. Is this your church? You go, you're visiting? Yeah. Well, let me just say it this way. This church would call it, in our circle, we call it, would call it uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit or maybe the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's something in you that's stirring in the Holy Spirit. And I just, I'm telling you that because God knows the desire of your heart and God sees the hunger in your heart. And God wants to fill you so full of his spirit that there's going to be spiritual gifts. You're going to move in the gifts of the spirit. It's not, it's there. It's there. 1 Corinthians 12, and God's stirring your heart. He does say this in 1 Corinthians. He says, covet 
spiritual gifts. You know, isn't that great? The only thing we're allowed to covet, we're allowed to covet something, it's spiritual gifts. And you're going to move in spiritual gifts and not just in church. You're going to move with, are you a student? Yeah, I see you with student and moving in spiritual gifts and just saying, see, this is this thing in your heart for people saying, can I just pray for you? And boom. When you lay hands on them, just like I, when I put my hand on your shoulder, you're going to lay hands on them and you're going to get a revelation. You're going to get a thought, a word, a word of knowledge. You're going to have insight and it's from God and they're going to just be blown away. And you're not to be ashamed. You're not going to boast. You're going to say, you know, that's just God. You're going to so convince them. That's part of your evangelism is going to come through the gift of the Spirit. So, Father, I bless Marilyn today. I ask you to fill her so full of your Spirit, Lord, that she manifests those gifts to the glory of God, for the benefit of others, to encourage and edify and build up other people for the glory of God. Father, now we ask that you would fill him with the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, you would continue to strengthen him in his inner man with might uh, through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we, we speak blessing on his comings and blessing on his goings as he travels to the nations. Uh, Lord, that he would be strong. He would, he would have the courage that uh, he's been desiring himself for us to have today. Lord, that you would impart uh, even greater courage. Lord, even greater boldness, even greater love uh, and greater compassion. Uh, for your children to see them build up and, and to see the churches thrive and, and to do the work of the ministry. Lord, give him greater vision, greater passion in his heart. Lord, enlarge his tents. Uh, enlarge, give him new ministry positions, uh, new ministry locations, Lord, uh, where he, his influence will be used for your glory. We thank you so much, Father, for his heart to serve you and, and to see the church, uh, the bride of Jesus Christ, uh, build up and edified. Father, just thank you for Clem. Thank you for be, him being a blessing to us and you using him to bless us. And so, Father, we just pray that you bless him financially, supernaturally, to meet all his needs, Father. Thank you for his family, for them being the people they are releasing Clem into the ministry, Father. So, in turn, bless them, bless his children, Lord, and bless the body of Christ where he moved out of, Lord. And, Father, we just thank you that your angel surrounds him and keep him, watch over him as he go forward, as he move forward from here, Father, and to other countries and other parts of the world. Give him supernatural wisdom and understanding before beyond his times, Lord, so that he can feed those people who he encountered, Lord, the pastors and the leaders, Lord, so that he can equip them to be an instrument, use of you, Lord, to equip pastors and leaders, Lord, so that we can expand the kingdom of God. And Father, what a privilege it is that we can give into this ministry, Lord, where Clem is a part of, Lord, and he just bring greater vision, insight to us, and we just pray the same thing for him. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Well, Clem, now we're going to be out, out in the lobby. Uh, he wants to greet you as you go out and things like that. And uh, when you close the service, yeah. While they're uh, heading their way out there to greet you guys or to send you on your way, I do want to go ahead and ask if the prayer team could come up, please. Um, with the message being as it was today and a breakthrough and praying for a breakthrough, I want to make sure that, uh, myself included, that we don't miss that opportunity. Um, if you are sensing that God is saying, hey, that's for you, you need this, you need to come on up and get prayer today. Okay. Also, there was a word that came forth earlier in service that um, if it is you, please don't miss your opportunity. Um, it's somebody with a scar on the left side, maybe on the top of your head, and it's maybe been irritating you or giving you some pain, or it's just God's saying, let's get rid of it. It's time to be gone. So if that is you and God's speaking to you today, please get prayer for that.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us today.